you know, thinking about as I share what I'm going to share tonight or any night that that is, there's, there's heavy burdens. There's painful disappointments. And sometimes people are in the pit of sadness. And I'm very aware of that. Today we're going to talk about depression. And we need to talk about this. We need to talk about these things. And we need to deal with these things. And we all know there's misconceptions, right? I mean, a lot of times people don't share that they are dealing with depression for the sake that it's an embarrassment thing or they'll think differently of me. And the other side of that too is, and one reason why people don't share is because they're treated differently. Talk to those who have dealt with depression and share it with somebody. Immediately there's a different feeling in the room or they, try, they feel bad and so they continue to do things to try to help that person. But it doesn't help. And here's the thing about this. I do want to talk about depression, but I really want this message to be about hope. I mean, my idea here is not for all of us to feel like crap by the time we leave down at the end of the night. I mean, truthfully. Tonight we're going to be talking from the book of Lamentations. So if you have your word with you, I'd like you to turn there, please. We're going to be talking about Lamentations, chapter 3, verses 1 through 26. The scripture that we're going to read is probably some of the heaviest, weightiest literature you'll ever read, let alone in the Bible. And I'm going to read it to you tonight from the beginning without giving any kind of context of it and what's going on here. And then we'll go back and look at the context. Hopefully this will present the heart of what I'm trying to say tonight. So if you're there in Lamentations... Chapter 3, we're going to read what the prophet Jeremiah says here. This is what he says, starting in verse 1. I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. He has driven me away and made me walk in darkness rather than light. Indeed, he has turned his hand against me again and again all day long. He has made my skin and my flesh grow old. He has broken my bones. He has besieged me and surrounded me with, with bitterness and hardship. He has made me dwell in darkness like those long dead. He has walked me. He has wa- walled me in so I cannot escape. He has weighed me down with chains. Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my paths crooked. Like a bear lying in wait, like a lion in hiding, he dragged me from the path and mangled me and left me without help. He drew his bow and made his target, made me his target for his arrows. He pierced my heart with arrows from his quiver. I became the laughingstock of all my people. They mocked me in song all day long. He has filled me with bitter herbs and and sated me with gall. He has broken my teeth with gravel. He has trampled me in the dust. I have been deprived of peace. I have forgotten what prosperity is. So I say, my splendor is gone and all that I have hoped for from the Lord. I remember my affliction and my wandering, the bitterness and the gall. 
I will, I will remem- remember them, and my soul is downcast within me. We're going to stop there. And, you know, depression is something you cannot understand unless you've experienced it. Here we have a man who's in the depths of his depression. And here's a man, Jeremiah, who knows the Lord. He's been called by the Lord. He's a prophet for his nation. Charles Spurgeon said this. He said, there is a dungeon beneath the castle of despair. And Jeremiah is in this dungeon beneath the castle of despair. This text is not necessarily defining depression, but one's man, one man's experience with depression. Let me give you a few modern definitions of what depression is, just so we can kind of all be on the same page as we get going here. And then we'll talk more about the scripture. Definition for depression is this here, a temporary emotional state which is characterized by uh, exaggerated feeling of sadness. And the thing is, when you kind of saw this in the video, we are all going to have sad days, right? But depression is clinically something different. It goes on longer. It starts to affect everything about us. Another definition of depression is this, a hopelessness that is not consistent with reality. One of the things that I don't want to do is spend the rest of the remainder of this time um, diagnosing depression. I mean, I'm not a clinical psychologist or a doctor, um, and so it's a waste to some degree for me to do that. Plus, um, I'm not going to share statistics or clinical theories. Um, What I think will be more helpful for us today is I want to give us something that everyone can relate to. You know, as I was studying and looking and reading, uh, there... There's enough stuff out there as you read about it, you start to get depressed just reading about it. And so I, I don't really want to get into all the stats and statistics because there's so many different areas and parts and pieces that define or are a part of depression. But I want to give us all something that each one of us can go, okay, I see that, I can relate to that, and it can be beneficial for all of us. Because, again, my heart here is not just to talk about depression or be depressed, but for us to have hope. If you've ever been in a season that you felt you couldn't get above, you couldn't get out of, you will one day. And if you've never gone through a season like this, then you probably will have the opportunity to help someone else at some point that's going through depression. I want to point out a few things if you're taking notes about this passage. And if you have to look at it, it is kind of a strange passage, isn't it? I mean, you look at this, it's pretty strange. I mean, let's be honest. This is an interesting piece of literature a man who's been called by God, who's pretty much calling God out by saying, where are you at? Are you real? Are you going to answer my prayers? I mean, we're not looking at this text and, and looking at this saying, you know, this isn't like a scripture that says, this is the day the Lord has made. Let us rejoice and be glad in it, right? Jeremiah has God typecast as a bear trampling him. So we need to understand why. Jeremiah wrote the book of Lamentations after the destruction of Jerusalem in about 587 B.C. And this is at the hands of the Babylonians. Everything that Jeremiah loved was in ruins and despair. Everything he had worked for 
the people that he um, supported and represented were scattered. Most of the people he loved were in captivity. And when you look at this, this isn't, you're not seeing scripture, you're not seeing a writing from a 16-year-old boy who just got lost, you know, he broke up with his girlfriend, got dumped. I mean, this is not a situation where, oh, I'm sad because I just lost my girlfriend. This is a man whose nation and life has totally fallen apart. I mean, I try to put myself in those shoes and say, where would I be at if I was in his shoes? America was totally decimated, and we were taken off to another foreign land as slaves. This man's nation and life has totally fallen apart. This is a classic form of literature, too. This is something that was really cool that I didn't didn't know before I started studying this. Um, We all understand that this is a form of um, writing called, that's a lament, obviously the point of the, the book being called Lamentation. It was very common in Jeremiah's day to write like this. It's actually written in an acrostic poem. If you look through this and check this out, there's five books of poetry in this, in this book of the Scripture. And each section actually starts with a letter of the Hebrew language, of the Hebrew alphabet. So as you read through that, it's really cool how they've done that. So Jeremiah is voicing his grief in an appropriate way in Scripture. And he's doing, doing it in a very poetic way. One of the things that I also think is very interesting about this, too, is, you know, God, when he decided to take and go, okay, what scripture do I want to put together? What writings do I want to have in my word? He chose to leave this in. He chose to put this in here. He could have seen this and, you know, Jeremiah goes, here, God, here's what I wrote. What do you think? Check it out. Get your red pen out. We'll turn it in and then you can put it in your holy word. And God could have said, well, man, that doesn't make me look very good. Uh, we'll take that part out. Or, or Jeremiah, probably what you really meant to say was this, and so let's rewrite this and then put it in. He put this in on purpose. He wanted us to see this text. And what this tells me about God when I read this is God's goodness is wide enough to accommodate my grief. His goodness is wide enough to accommodate my grief. The Bible has stories of promises and triumphs, but there's also tragedy. And God wants us to know that he can handle it, that God can handle it. He's not upset because we're upset. He's not done with us in the times that we feel like we're done with him. It's an important piece for us to have to know the heart of God, even the times that we feel like he's nowhere near us. There's a few things, or three things that I want us to, to point out about depression that I think would be important for us to hear. And one is this, number one, sin can cause depression, but depression doesn't mean that you're necessarily sinning. Do you hear that? Sin ca- can cause depression, but depression doesn't mean that you've necessarily sinned. So sin can cause depression, right? I mean, look in um, Psalms 51 in David's life. He writes this psalm coming out of depression because of the sin that he had in his life. He was having some reaction to the action that he chose to, to, to um, plant. If God's calling you to forgive someone and you're not forgiving him or her, you cannot medicate your way out of that depression. If you have an addiction in your life, It will bring oppression and depression to your life. You can't pray your way out of that. We have to deal with the fact that some sin can cause depression, 
But just because you're depressed doesn't mean you've sinned. I'll be the first one, if I'm your friend, to, at times to say, hey, come on, man. Let's go. You need to pick it up. You need to go. You've, had, you've been here long enough. Get going. You've, you've spent enough time with this. But it's dumb to say to someone, there must be a sin in your life. That's why you're at where you're at. You must have sin in your life. Jeremiah was a prophet who faithfully served God for over 40 years. And I couldn't find anywhere in any of my research or listening to any other sermons from other pastors or doing any kind of research on the web of Scripture, I couldn't find any record in the Bible where Jeremiah disobeyed God. He fervently followed God. But we still see the writing he has here saying, God, where are you at? This is how I feel like you're treating me. I'm calling you out. Something hit me so hard. As he looked at the rubble of his city, the rubble of his nation, of his people, that people that he gave his life to, he was deeply depressed. He fell into a deep depression. And not because he didn't love God, not because he doesn't want to serve the Lord. He did want to serve the Lord. Not because he, he doesn't want to be who God was calling him to be. It's what had happened to him. Right now, right here, God, this is how I feel. This is what I'm feeling. So sometimes sin can cause depression, but depression doesn't mean that you've necessarily sinned. Number two, hardest circumstances can cause depression, but the two don't always go hand in hand. Did you catch that? Hard circumstances can cause depression. But the two don't always go hand in hand. Something bad can happen to you and you can end up depressed because of it, right? But just because you're depressed doesn't mean something bad has happened to you. I think of myself and I think this is really ridiculous, but I think back to 2004. The St. Louis Cardinals lost the World Series to the Boston Red Sox. The first time the Boston Red Sox had ever won a World Series after like 100 plus years or something crazy. And it was to my team. I was super depressed. I know that sounds ridiculous for a lot of you, but my wife can attest that when the baseball season rolled around the next spring, I was not ready. And, and she knows, if any of you know me, I'm a baseball fanatic. I love the Cardinals. I'm a big St. Louis fan. And I was, I was really dealing with depression about that. I mean, not, it was like a daily, like, oh, I don't want to get out of bed. And, but when the baseball season rolled around spring training, I was like, I'm not ready. And she would attest, that's not normally me. I'm like, baseball, you know, pitchers report in two days. And she's like, get a life, man. So I was dealing with that in a, in a desperate way. But then also, I would go to a third world country, and I would see the life that a lot of these people live in, in a place where they don't have medication, they can barely put a, a roof over their family's head. I've met people who, who should have been depressed in my mind. And they were schooling me what it means to be in, be, have a life full of joy. I mean, it just, that blows me away where I can have depression over something that's really not vital in life. And my mind, from a different perspective, would go, wow, these people are in a place that I go, you, you can't hardly have a home for your family. Or you're trying to shove 15 people into a, a building that's the size of these two platforms. And go, 
they're schooling me on what joy looks like. Hard circumstances can cause depression, but the two don't always go hand in hand. Number three is this. Only God can heal depression, but he can use man-made tools in the process. You hear that? Only God can heal depression, but he can use man-made tools in the process. God is all-powerful, and we need to seek him continually and pray earnestly for healing. But he also has given us resources to aid in physical health via counseling, medications, and different things of that nature. Now, this is one of those topics that rises tension right away as we start talking about this because some people are earnestly like, if you take medication, you're selling out. And you'll have some Christians that say, all you need to do is pray more. And other people that say, you know what, medications in the right amount and the right time is good. But you have to, you know, there's all this ebb and flow of this discussion. I also heard another pastor say this. He'd had a conversation with somebody that was um, adamant about not taking medication because it was a man-made tool. And so the pastor turned right back at him and said, you know, plumbing, in, in-home plumbing is a man-made tool. So if you're going to believe that concept, then you should never use your man-made plumbing anymore either. Right? So he was kind of using that context. But God, only God, can heal depression. But sometimes he can also use man-made tools in the process. Let's look at the scripture again. There's a couple things that really stand out to me here. Verse 1 says this, I am the man who has seen affliction by the rod of his wrath. I mean, look at the first four words there. I am the man. I mean, we hear that in our culture today. I'm the man, you know. Check her out. They got it going on, right? I mean, we, we look at it in that context. But if we, Jeremiah received a calling that was so special, it was recorded in Jeremiah 1. If you turn back with me to Jeremiah chapter 1, just go to your left a little bit here. Jeremiah 1, verses 4 and 5. It's talking about the call that God gave Jeremiah. Listen to this. It was such an important call that he put it in Scripture. This is what the Word said. The Word of the Lord came to me saying, Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. That is incredible. Before he was even born, God already had him called out in his mind going, this is what I want for you. This is who you're going to be. You are going to be the man that I call you to be for your people. We are meeting Jeremiah at the bottom He's gone through a lot. He's disappointed and he's suppressed. He was also a man that had a great calling. So we get to see both sides of this. And, and the point of that is you and I have a great calling. God has a lot for us to do in life. He has a lot for us that he has before us. There's times that we have a great calling. He's going to say, this is, this is who you are. I knew you before you were born. I have a plan for you. And there's other times we're going to be in the, the pit of despair in life and go, God, where are you at? Let's look at verse 4 and 5 here, back in Lamentations. I'm sorry, um, verses 8 and 9. <clears throat> Even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts me out of my prayer. He shuts out my prayer. 
And one of the things that I missed that I want to go back real quick and say is this, just because you have a great calling from God on your life doesn't mean you won't go through seasons of depression, sadness, or struggle. Don't think God can't use you if you're down sometimes. Verse 8 is talking about here, when you feel like you're depressed, you feel like God doesn't hear your prayers. Jeremiah is saying, God is, you know, Jeremiah is saying this. You know, God, even when I call out or cry for help, he shuts out my prayer. He feels totally alone. He's saying, God, obviously you do not hear me. Well, the thing is, God, he, he knows and doesn't believe that. I mean, he was a prophet of God. He had a tight relationship with God. He knew what God's heart was. And he was faithful to God. He had a theology that he knew God was sovereign and God was in control. But in this moment of this pain and this feeling, he's going, God, you even shut me out of your prayer. He just feels completely alone. Look at verse 9. He has barred my way with blocks of stone. He has made my path crooked. Depression makes you feel like you have nowhere to go. You're emotionally and spiritually disoriented. And if you're dealing with depression, you, 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 as much as you want to get out of it, there's times you feel like, I have no clue where to go. And here's the thing. The devil, his number one goal in depression is to get you to doubt the goodness and the greatness of God. What I would say to you is I don't know why. If I was to sit and talk to you, we're talking about depression and what's going on in your life. I would say, I don't know why. I hurt with you, but God is still good. And he will walk through it. And we will walk through it together. And again, that's one of those things that sometimes that's not the place you want to hear that, right? It's not the right words at the right time. And the thing about this, too, is from the most depressed chapter in the whole entire Bible, from the most depressing book in the Bible, It seems like as you read on here, it seems like someone slips Jeremiah Red Bull or something because he totally changes tracks. It's incredible as you read on. Listen to this. If we look in verse 21 of chapter 3, it says this. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. For his compassion never fail. They are never, I'm sorry, they are new every morning. Great is your faithfulness. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. The Lord is good to those who hope in him, to the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. I will have hope. I will call to mind God's goodness. I mean, look at that. Verse 21, yet this I call to mind that that tells me is I have to think back to the times that God has answered. God has answered. Um, Rochelle and I just had a situation that is almost still amazing to us. We, our daughter, Deanna, who's seven years old for the last year and a half or so has been going, I really want a dog. I really want a dog. And as a wise mom and dad, we said, well, we can't afford a dog. Because she wants a golden retriever, and they're like $800 purebred, and you just can't go out. and Well, at least I can't just go out and go, yeah, here we go, just for you, daughter, because I love you, right? 
And also, my wife is, is the responsible in the house because I'm like, that'd be cool. Let's get a dog. And she's like, who's going to raise the puppy? Me, you know, Rochelle. So she's like, that's not possible. But as wise parents, we told our daughter, if you want it, you've got to talk to God about it, right? Just pray to God. And if he thinks it's something that you can have or work out in life and all that kind of stuff, he'll make it happen. But if he doesn't, we, we understand, too, that's not what he has for us. So seriously, our daughter has been praying for a year and a half about this. Not joking. Two or three Saturdays ago, Shell and I wake up on Saturday morning. It's about 7 or 30 or 8 or something. And she grabs my cell phone, and she's looking through Craigslist. She's all, hey, check it out, a free golden retriever. I'm like, oh, that's pretty cool. And I'm barely awake, so I'm like, yeah, okay. And she keeps going through, hey, there's a free hot tub. That's even cooler, you know. And she just keeps going all these in the free freebies, right? And, and then I'm laying there, I'm realizing, I think she just rolled past that. Is not even going to think twice about it. So I said, hey, are you going to respond to that about the golden retriever? And she's like, no, no. I'm like, honey, think about this. I'm not trying to bash my wife. But I'm saying, honey, think about this. If we tell our daughter to pray for something and God gives an opportunity, shouldn't we follow through with it, right? And, of course, I'm the little boy going, <laughs> And so she's all right, whatever. So she emails back on my phone. And so we're going throughout their day, and 3 o'clock comes, and 4 o'clock comes, and she says, have you gotten emails? And I'm like, no, I haven't gotten anything. So she gets on Facebook. I mean, she did that too, but she got on Craigslist and, <laughs> and, uh, and looked, and it was gone. So we're like, okay. And we hadn't told Deanna anything. So we were like, you know, we don't want to say anything, get her excited for no reason, and, you know, it's gone. So it was. And so we both said, okay. We followed through. We didn't want to tell our daughter to pray and us kick, kick the bucket without her knowing. And, um, and so anyway, it didn't happen. So I'm on the grill grilling, and all of a sudden my phone rings. And I'm like, it's a Seattle, Washington number. I'm like, hmm, Mark Driscoll's calling me. That's pretty cool. No. And so I answered, and it's this lady, the, the wife of the husband. Uh, and some of you thought that was funny. Some of you didn't at all. Um, and so I'm like, hello. And she goes, hey, we're the folks that have the free dog. And I'm like, oh, no way. Hi. Um, and so she starts telling me all this information about this dog. Her husband works in the slope, and I have a baby, and I'm having a baby. And it's just crazy, right? And she does indoor daycare. Not outdoor. Indoor, of course. Daycare. And, uh, and so she's talking to me and I'm going, okay, well, should we come see the dog? Or, I mean, she's interviewing people, obviously. So we set up a time on Sunday late in the evening to go over to go see the dog. And so, of course, I go in the house and I can't tell Rochelle about it. She knows this conversation's happened. She understood what was happening on the phone, but we can't talk about it because Deanna's at dinner, of course. And so at night after she would go to bed, she's like, what happened? Rochelle's like, what happened? So I tell her and she's like, oh, this is crazy. This can't be happening. And, uh, and so 4.30 the next day, um, on Sunday afternoon, because we're going to be there at 5, I pull Deanna into the house, and I sit on the couch, and I start sharing what's going on here. Because I thought, maybe I'll just lie to her and say, hey, we're going to, met some people that have a cool dog. Maybe we can just go say hi to it. You know, you can play for a little bit. I'm like, ah, teach my daughter how to lie. That's not a good one. And I'm saying, well, I'll just be honest, right? And just tell her what's going on, and we'll just be real about it. And so I, we sit down, we talk about it, and I, hey, I know you've been praying about this. Something crazy's happened, God has this opportunity. Now, it might happen. It might not happen. Don't get too excited. I'm trying to be real about this. And she's sitting there. Seriously, she's doing this. <laughs> I mean, she's freaking out inside. Like, she's trying not to jump around. I mean, she was really doing that. Like, I could have given her a paper bag, and she would have used the paper bag. So I said, we're going to go see the dog in about 30 minutes. And she's like, okay, okay, okay. I'm like, you're not excited, right? And she's like, oh, yes, I am. You know, she's crazy. So we go see the dog, and the dog's great. And it's five years old, so it's not even a puppy. So it's already been trained. Um, it's free. Uh, it's just a crazy scenario. So we go, okay, cool. They're interviewing other people during the week. So we're like, that's fine. Whatever you got to do, and let us know. And we're thinking at that point, too, we're not sure if we're still sold because we know there's extra cost and our life's crazy. And, you know, how are we going to do this? And 
Anyway, long story short, but it's already been long, right, is that um, we got a phone call later in the week, and they wanted to give us the dog. Um, we had won the interview process. And, um, and so I sat down with Deanna, and, and I, as we went through this, and now we have the dog. Crazy, but it's a really cute dog. If you guys want a dog sit, let us know. Um, but we sat down with Deanna because we thought, you know, this is a great opportunity for her to learn about prayer. I mean, it's, yeah, it's, it's a dog. It's just a prayer about a dog. But I thought, you know, this is a great opportunity to say, hey, we're challenging you. He's challenging us to ask him for things. Not just fun once he, like, I want a sports car, but he wants us to communicate with him. And it might work out. And it's an opportunity for you to write in your journal or not down, knock, you know, note down in the back of your mind to say, hey, God answered my prayer here. Because I know when she's 13, or when she's 23 or 33, she's going to be calling me and going, Dad, I'm ticked. I'm in depression. I'm angry. I'm, I'm confused. I'm going to say, when has God, has God answered your prayers before? And I know it sounds ridiculous to think, remember when you were seven and God answered your prayer with a dog? I mean, it sounds ridiculous, but to me, it's a, it's a milestone for her as she grows into to a mature young lady to go, God answers my prayers. And on the other end, we came to it from the angle of saying, hey, you know what? He might say no. Or not right now. And it's a good opportunity for her to learn that as well. To say, you know what? I really wanted it. God knew I would be responsible and I'd take care of the dog as a, as a seven-year-old. But for us to say, he didn't want that to happen. And it, so that's why we were honest with her from the front. So we have hope. We have hope. He will call to mind the goodness. We need to call to mind the goodness that, he has, he has, that we've had in the past. Yet this I call to mind, and therefore I have hope. I have hope. Because of the Lord's great love, we are not consumed. We're not consumed. And when you're depressed, you are consumed. You're completely consumed. But this is crazy how this man who is in the lowest place of his life, the called prophet of a nation, God's nation, in despair, describes how he feels God is treating him. But then says, you know, God, I call to mind when you've showed up before. And therefore, I have hope because of that. Because of the Lord's great love, I'm not going to be consumed. For his compassions never fail. Might not be on my timing. Might not happen the way I want it to happen. But they never fail. They are new every morning. It's that concept of going, you know, Tomorrow morning, I'm going to wake up. I'm going to take a step and move forward. Great is your faithfulness. I mean, we know this verse as a, as a song. Great is your faithfulness. God is faithful. I say to myself, the Lord is my portion. Therefore, I will wait for him. I will wait for him. I love that video. And it showed how that lady just sat beside him and just said, I'm going to be here with you. I'm just going to be here with you. I'm not going to try to tell you the right thing or say the cliche answer or try to be funny. I'm just going to sit here. I've had so many people come and talk to me and feel like, I don't know who else to talk to about this. And, and I'm afraid if I tell you, you will treat me differently. We shouldn't feel that way. But we do because how we react to each other. The Lord is good to those who hope is in him. To the one who seeks him. It is good to wait quietly for the salvation of the Lord. This section of scripture just blows me away. 
Tonight, we're going to do something a little different. Instead of breaking up into groups and chat and talking more about this, um, we have someone that wants to share their testimony, and then we're going to go to a prayer time. I want to just have a time of prayer tonight where um, Greg will come back, back up in a little bit and lead us um, with some music and maybe a song at the end of that. Um, but I want us to kind of have an opportunity just to spend time in prayer tonight. Um, so I'm going to end with that for now and invite Rachel up. She last week um, told me or asked me or whatever you want to say, uh, wanted to know if she could share a testimony. And it runs right in line with what we're sharing tonight. So um, if you would give her your attention, that would be sweet. Thank you, Rachel. Hello, how are you doing? Um, I asked Brian if I could come up here and share my testimony with you, and I'll probably cry, so, you know, I'll just get that out there there in the beginning. Um, Because uh, I say all the time that it's important to be real and honest with people, and it's important as the church to talk about real life and things that really affect us, and so uh, that's what I'm going to do tonight. Um, Thank you. (laughs) Um, I'll definitely need that. Um, 